Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Chase, white circle, shoots and scores! A shorthanded goal for Jonathan Tate. Kubelik in front, he shoots and scores! Dominic Kubelik on a belief line, right circle, shoots and scores! He set it up for Carpenter to slice, shoots and scores! Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Is this the game that gets Alex to bring it back on track? Here's Kane, top left circle, shoots and scores! In front of the net, I believe to bring it, tapped it, and the Hawks have finally solved Pecorino in this hockey game. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. The power play goal, he's standing in front of the net, but the breakaway in overtime, that's one where you're going, wow. Picked off by Keith. And a break and a breakaway in overtime for the win on the Predator line. Shoots and scores! The cap! It's an overtime game winning goal! That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday, uh, following an unhappy Sunday and a happy fresh week to all of you. Chris Bowden, Joe Brand, joining you for a fresh edition of a Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by FanList. We are recording following the Blackhawks' Sunday night loss to the St. Louis Blues after a disappointing weekend. It's all season long. Hope, disappointment. Hope, disappointment. Four-game win streak. And now a two-game losing streak spurred on by a loss to the NHL's worst team on Friday night in Detroit. We'll dive a little bit deeper into that. But without further ado, it's going to be Joe's turn to read the words that uh, we are so happy to read from our presenting sponsor, Fanless. Joe, take it away. Oh, thank you. No no adjective today that, that I have to look up. We'll get around to it. Well, everyone knows the Blackhawks crazy. Uh, let's try this. The Blackhawks Crazy podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com/slash/BlackhawksCrazy. That's spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. FanList partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and lists tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, FanList is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free when tickets sell. FanList charges the industry standard 15% of that final sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy. Receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. That's F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash BlackhawksCrazy. Bravo. Nice job. And we're going to do something a little bit different on this Blackhawks Crazy podcast. We'll play uh, Alex Brink it for you following the 2 nothing loss to the St. Louis Blues. Normally we'll give you you know, a couple of players and maybe Jeremy as well, but we can paraphrase some of the thoughts that Jonathan Taves uh, or at least Joe can because uh, he was in the locker room and, and Jeremy Carlton had to pass along after this one, but coming up a little bit later on, we're going to have two longer form interviews for you to enjoy. One with Kendall Coyne Schofield on International Women's Day. It was the historic all-ladies broadcast on NBC Sports Network. 
I'm anxious to uh, go back and listen to it after uh, after recording it. Uh, it's uh, going to be really fun, cool listen with um, Kendall Coyne, uh, along with Kate Scott and um, A.J. Malesko, not to mention uh, a virtual entire behind-the-scenes cast of Females on International Women's Day here, plus a visit with Jamal Mayers I had with him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he has himself a new children's book out. Uh, we played it on a post-game show recently, if you happen to miss it. Talk to Jamal about uh, becoming an author in his role here as a community liaison with the Blackhawks. Um, but we're doing that partly because these last two games have been a disappointment that we have to sit here and discuss and break down. It all started Friday night after your riding high following a victory the night before here at the United Center. The Blackhawks run their win streak to four in a row. They get to within four points of that second wild card, and they go into Detroit and lose on Friday night by a final score of 2-1. to one. And They followed it up here, not being able to light the lamp at all, and a 2 nothing loss to St. Louis. And Joe, insult to injury, it's the first time in these franchises' history that the Blues have swept the regular season series. And it's really evident for all the hopes that you have for this Blackhawks team. It's been evident in all four meetings this season, and especially this kind of exclamation point on Sunday. Where the Blues are, which is what the, where the Blackhawks used to be, where they are now, versus where the Blackhawks are now and what the Blues used to be. This is a, a much better team that still isn't 100% as they get set to uh, defend their Stanley Cup. Yeah, the whole role reversal seems like it started in 2016 when the Blues took Game 7 uh, against the Hawks, bounced them out of the playoffs. And even then you felt like, oh, this could be a... Uh, a St. Louis Blues team, an organization that's on the rise to great things. It did take him a few more years to get the Stanley Cup, but yeah, it almost comes all to uh, just a full role reversal today with being swept by St. Louis, being shut out by the Blues twice this year, and then they were outscored 16-8 to this season. Was it you that said in the postgame that the Blues scored 11 third-period goals in this season series? Boy, does that <laughs> that really describes this season series in a nutshell. And and Debrinkit talked about it in the locker room today too, that uh, the Hawks had the lead for the majority, or rather uh, the two other games in St. Louis this year, coughed those away. So today was a frustrating day in that regard. Um, just seeming like this is, albeit the the final nail in the coffin on the Blackhawks postseason hopes, but. When you look at it, they they played a decent, if not good, game until that third period. Yes, the power play is is the same issue it's been all year long, but uh, something I really noticed today was Jonathan Taves, Jeremy Colleton, even pretty much to Brinkett were pleased with the team's efforts. Uh, Troy Murray talked about it too throughout the broadcast how uh, the intent the intensity med- med- oh, Jesus the intensity level was matched. And that's going to happen when you're playing your rival team like the Blues. The, the energy in the crowd was revved up, too. But, uh, of course, the power play were uh, a couple of deflating situations. But, um, I mean, if you're looking for that that angerness and that frustration that the fans are feeling and you, you feel like the, the team wasn't there, Connor Murphy had some quotes saying that he, the team is still uh, pretty upset with what had happened. But... This is a team that holds themselves accountable when they don't perform well. Jonathan Taves is very good at that. Jeremy Colleton is very good at that. So you have to take their word for it when they feel like the effort level was there for the majority of the game. And and the real disappointment, too, is what happened on Friday night. Right. And 
the excuses, uh, it's a short list of excuses that really can't, you know, whether it's a back-to-back, a travel or not. That's a team that a lot of teams have beaten up on this year. And uh, Troy and I both sensed it the night before, after the victory, and they were hitting the road. Uh, following a fourth straight win, you don't want to fall into that trap against Detroit. And the effort level on Sunday night against St. Louis was a different effort level than we saw on Friday against Detroit. And the Blackhawks got exactly what they deserved, unfortunately. And um, that's the inexcusable part, because if you take care of your business that night, it allows you a little bit of leeway. If you have a game like you had tonight where you just, you just fall on the short end of the stick, come up empty. But when you come up empty against Detroit, and then have to face St. Louis with the way they have had the Blackhawks number this year. Um, accountability, there should have been much more accountability as they were on the ice for 60 minutes Friday in Detroit than there was. And um, uh, those are the games. This is the roller coaster ride that this entire season, the last couple of seasons have been, where you get that glimmer of hope, where you have the 6-7 game win streak a year ago to move into a playoff position for 45 minutes after a win, ironically, in Detroit, and then it slips away from you. And then uh, what we've seen here over the course of the last two games, following a four-game win streak, you scratch, you fight, you claw, back within striking distance of the wild card. And it's always been something here with the Blackhawks this season. And it happened again here over the course of this week. Well, when it comes down to it, it's just must-win games that aren't taken advantage of. That that was the case in Detroit. Maybe not mathematically it's a must-win game, but, but it is in the sense because... If you lose, you lose to the NHL's worst team, and then that creates a lot more pressure on this game. And you don't want pressure when you're hosting the St. Louis Blues because there's already enough pressure that comes with it. So I feel like maybe that's why this team is so streaky because they go on these runs when there is less pressure, and then once something gets put together and says, hey, you know, maybe we can figure this out for once, it it doesn't hit that stride when they need it to. It, we've talked about the consistency all year long, but that comes into play with the way their schedule has been. I mean, it, it's just so up and down. It's uh, more of inconsistently con- or consistently inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. And, and this was the the time as well to make hey, even though you're out behind the eight ball coming into this month. And again, uh, home performance has been an issue for several years running. It's been an issue for this season as well. But you finally win a couple of back-to-backs to open March here with 11 home games out of the 15 that you're going to play. And then all it takes is one momentum-changing game uh, uh, on the road in a game that you should have won. And all of a sudden, you're scrambling again. All right, uh, we mentioned we're going to hear from Alex to break it. Let's do that now, and we'll talk afterwards about a, a couple of positive things that nevertheless fall by the wayside after this two nothing loss. Here's uh, Alex to break it. Uh, you know, in a game like that, it's when we need to come through, and um, we had enough chances to, you know, put one in, and um, we just didn't. You were kind of involved in that melee after the hit on uh, Adam. What? Um what do you think of the hit and uh, and the response by the team? Um, honestly, I didn't really see the hit. So, um, you know, he got a penalty for it, and and, and Bulky's on the ice, so um, just went in there. Um, figured it was dirty. I saw it after the um, on the jumbotron, and uh, I mean, I don't know if he, he really meant to do it, but um, you know, hits him in the head, and you gotta be aware of your surroundings. So, um, you know, go in there, stand up for Bulky, and um, you know, hopefully get the team, um, you know, back in it. Where's the concern level at for a guy like Drake who's dealt with some concussion issues and you know, pretty much putting everything on himself for the team there? Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's a team-first guy. He's, uh, I mean, 
it's tough when you, you've had those problems and you're still willing to put your body on the line. So, um, you know, good for him. I mean, everyone in the locker room obviously appreciates that and, um, you know, really likes players like that. I mean, um, you know, it's we'll, we'll see what happens with them all. I was going to say, uh, there were some breakaway chances, uh, power play chances that just didn't connect. Can you speak to what happened there? Um, yeah, pucks just, uh, maybe weren't bouncing our way. Maybe we weren't, weren't working hard enough to, you know, put it in the net. But, um, you know, I think, you know, power plays, you're obviously a man up and you need to convert on those chances. And um, if we convert on one of those, it's, it's maybe a 1-1 game. And, um, you know, obviously they score one later in the period or um, at the beginning of the third period. But, um, you know, we could have gone 1-1 going into the third. So um, it's tough, you know, missing those opportunities and, uh, you know, one point slip away. Is it frustrating knowing that the, you score a power play goal in really any of these most recent losses and that you feel like the momentum could have turned? Yeah. Um, I mean, we were doing pretty well there for a, for a, a little stretch there. And, um not sure. Maybe teams are taking it away or, or what happened, but um, I think we just got to keep battling for pucks, getting pucks back. And um, you know, I think a lot of the when we had success, we're just putting pucks on that and it's hitting things and going in. So um, maybe we go back to that. Or, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it, it's it's tough to swallow. I mean, obviously you want to be out there. You want to um, you know convert for your team, and uh, it just didn't happen tonight. I know you haven't been around for a lot of them, but I don't think the Blues have ever swept a season series. Those guys are just. I know you guys were in all those games, but is it difficult to hear that? Yeah, um, I mean, I think, you know, the two of the games in St. Louis, we were up for most of the game, and um, we blew the lead, and, um, you know, tonight's a, a hard hard battle, and obviously I think it could have gone either way if we get a bounce here or there. And, uh, but, I mean, it sucks. Obviously, we want to get wins, and it's never, um, you know, good getting swept in a season series, so, um, you know we got to come back harder and um, keep battling. I was talking with Troy about this on the post-game show, and it's been kind of a microcosm. Alex's season has kind of been a microcosm of the Blackhawks' entire season. He has a pair of two-goal games within a six-game span. You're thinking, okay, here we go. Here goes Alex. He's going to get back in the groove again. And he's coming off that two-goal game on Thursday night, goes up in the opening two minutes in Detroit, has himself a golden opportunity to keep that going, and he can't lift the puck over Jonathan Bernier. That seemed to be like a sign of things to come <laughs> and for the rest of the night that night. And he had a couple of other golden looks here against St. Louis and is unable to bury it. And uh, it's just been that type of season for Alex to brink it. And it kind of feeds into the kind of season that the Blackhawks have had overall, just when you think there's some traction individually on his part. Uh, and I'm not putting this by any means all on Alex's shoulders, but when you think the team is starting to get some traction as well, nope, not so fast because that's just the way this 2019-2020 season's going. Yeah. Troy always said throughout the season, too, when, when he would talk about Dabrinkit's struggles, he would always end it with, and believe me, this is not me picking on Alex Dabrinkit. He's worked hard all year long. Uh, it's not an effort thing whatsoever. But you just see a different style in his game when he's on a run. Uh, I remember when he was finally getting out of that funk towards more of the middle of the season, and I, I'm, I think it was Troy again mentioning just, just his body language, the way he's positioning himself towards the net, 
the way he's he's shooting with purpose and with authority rather than just throwing towards the net. And I know a lot of times we say this year, the Hawks just need to throw the puck towards the net more. But you saw Alex Dabrinkit becoming more of Alex Dabrinkit where he's he's finding himself in positioning and, and just had more structure. So hopefully uh, that is the case for him where I can be more solidified throughout the year. And we brought this up in the postgame on Sunday night as well. Uh, he sticks his nose in there. He's five foot seven, but he is not afraid to stick his nose in dangerous areas. And when there's a scrum going on, uh, he is not shy about about. Uh, he does have a little bit of a, a nasty streak underneath him, despite his stature. And then, you know, a stick tap to him on the effort play at the at the end of the game when it looked like St. Louis was going to score an empty net goal. He hustles his tail back, uh, dives toward the puck and is able to poke it away to prevent it from doing 3 nothing. With the way the Hawks have been going this game, they weren't going to score a goal anyway. They weren't going to come back and tie it or maybe even get one. But props to him on the effort play. And speaking of effort, Drake Kajula, he's been really good since he came back from that two-month stretch when when he was injured in concussion protocol. And um, so uh, speaking of concussion protocol, as he came to Adam Boquist's defense, and that's where Boquist is right now. It's been a rough couple of... Uh, Games rough couple of weeks for Adam Boquist physically. Uh, Drake Kajula uh, mixed things up in the first period when I think he had three hits on one shift. We played that highlight uh, during the course of the game and on the post game show as well. And then is able to uh, get in himself a rumble and uh, try to get some emotion going. Not that the Blackhawks were lacking emotion or effort in this game, but uh, you know he, he threw himself out there, uh, pumped up the crowd. Unfortunately, the results weren't there that followed, whether the team was pumped up by what he did or not. You know, waving, waving to the crowd and hopefully the right-hand injury that he apparently suffered during the course of that fight uh, isn't anything serious because he's he's been a little bit energizer bunny here. He came in with a couple of goals in the last four games, noticeable again tonight, both with the puck and without it. And um, here's another guy heading into restricted free agency. And since we don't know what... Andrew Shaw's future is going to be, and Kajula himself has a concussion history. Um, another gutsy guy willing to put himself out there for uh, for the team tonight, and and you know he, uh, I think he did inspire a little bit. You're probably right. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate, though. Um, this is a guy that had a great first period. This is a guy that is on the third line of Alex Dabrinkit and Kirby Doc. That can be a very lethal line. Drake Kajula had four hits in the first period. He was all over the place. Um, he, he just he generated a chance in the first period, too, for, for a, a, an opportunity. And then after the hit on Boquist and that whole scrum happens, I get it. I get that's what type of hockey player Drake Kajula is. I get it that the team maybe needs to be revived a little bit. But he gets in a fight. It was a good fight. I, I'm not going to say I don't enjoy enjoy watching those fights because they are pretty entertaining. But you lose him for the rest of the game with, with a hand injury. And the Hawks didn't score. I mean, so I get what the goal is there. But, oh, by the way, Drake Kajula also missed a good chunk of time this year with a concussion issue. So I understand how the teammates appreciate that effort. I understand you're trying to rev up the team, rev up the fans, but it didn't work. And I know we've had this conversation before. I'm not saying fights every time don't result in energizing the team, but it's just it's not a for sure thing. So with all the scenarios that Drake Kajula has gone on this year and the type of game he was playing, 
if I'm a coach, I don't like to see that. I'd, I'd rather have him out on the ice than than getting in a fight. And now the Hawks are down two guys yeah. because Boquist is out, and then so is Kajula. That could have that might have played a huge role in this game. So I get it. I get the whole rah rah. I get the whole hockey thing. But I mean, come on, it, was it really worth it in the end? And I'm not saying Drake Kajula, you are totally wrong for doing this but there's got to be a little bit more thought put in there i think yeah i'll still take the meatball approach and say, <laughs> say i liked it but um contrasting co-hosts and yeah and and yeah st louis was we're throwing their bodies around as they usually do so it was good to see some response from that aspect and um before we go and kind of shift gears and hear from kendall coin schofield let's again once again Corey crawford man uh over his last 19 starts, this was the 13th time he has given up two or fewer goals. Nine starts in a row now. There's probably going to be 10 on, on, on Wednesday against San Jose. And as long as you're within striking distance, as long as he stays healthy, uh, I got to imagine, even though Jeremy Carlton isn't going to admit it, and he was asked about it again before the game, are you going to keep riding Corius for as long as you can here? He gives the usual, we'll see. But Corey Crawford has been... Absolutely amazing. And we say that based on one of our topics in our last podcast, Robin Leonard on Sunday night improving to 3-0. As a goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights, he has allowed five goals in his three starts with Vegas, while Mark andre the team hasn't performed as well with Mark andre Fleury. So uh, that's turning into a good trade for Vegas. But again, where we left it on our last podcast with the future of the Blackhawks goaltending situation with health. I still see Corey Crawford being back here next year, and he just continues to perform so well. And, and you could tell, it, going back to this, the Drake-Ajula conversation, he was getting agitated by the way St. Louis was crowding his net. Uh, he, his, his, Corey's cool, but his, his temper can, can boil under. We've seen him mix it up a couple of times himself during the course of his career. Um, but Corey just continues to be absolutely amazing with what he has done. Nothing more than three goals allowed with the exception of the last game against St. Louis when the Blues put up that sixth spot in that game. Um, Corey Crawford, I, I, I maintain this is another step towards solidifying his future here with the Blackhawks beyond this season. During that whole scrum and the fight, Corey was up near the blue line, and, and the official was pointing at him. He was like, you get back in your net. Uh, Jake Allen, I don't think, was leaving anytime soon, but I, I thought we were going to see a goalie fight tonight. Uh, I had a theory when the Hawks were on their four-game winning streak, and my theory was maybe the Hawks improved addition by subtraction after the trade deadline. And I'm not saying they cut fat. I'm actually saying the exact opposite, but Corey Crawford was in a good place when Robin Leonard was here. He was still a great goaltender. And it didn't matter if he knew he was going to be in net or if he didn't know, he would still come and do the job. Now he knows that he's basically in net maybe for the rest of the season until the Hawks are mathematically eliminated. So he's in a better spot. Mm-hmm. He knows he knows when he's going to play. The Hawks know what they're going to get out of their goaltending situation. And then the Eric Gustafson thing, yes, we've talked about how productive Eric, Gustaf- Eric Gustafson can be from an offensive standpoint being a defenseman, but we've also talked about the sometimes crucial moves he mistakes he makes that that turn into scoring chances for the other team so you know maybe if you eliminate that and eliminate the goalie I don't want to call it dilemma or anything because they had two good goaltenders but the situation the Hawks had maybe this just helps the team move forward so that was my theory that maybe the trade deadline is something the Hawks benefited off of despite getting rid of two players 
Um, but of course, the, the game against Detroit uh, put that one to red, put that one to bed, and, and so does this one against St. Louis. But I just think I agree with you. Um, Corey Crawford is just setting himself up for a two, three-year contract coming up in this offseason. Um, the Hawks know what they're going to get out of him. He would have an opportunity to retire as a Blackhawk. He's still a guy that I think could retire after the season. And job well done, fantastic career. Congratulations. Move forward with your life. Um, but I, I think I, I do think he's got a couple good years left in him, and clearly this is one of them. And you bring up Gustafson. It was Vegas versus Calgary on Sunday, and so Robin Leonard gets the win facing Eric Gustafson, who picked up an assist in the Flames uh, game, but uh, the Flames fall short in that one. The final score was 5-3. to three. Okay, as promised, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Keep it on hockey, but uh, a real special night uh, on Sunday night. As uh, you know, as we record this, I didn't get a chance to listen, uh, watch slash listen, because we were doing our own jobs, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to checking out the all-female broadcast that NBC Sports Network put together Kate Scott on the call in her first ever NHL play-by-play game. She has a lot of other uh, play-by-play experience in other sports, but she was in the booth leading the way. A.J. Malesko was in the booth with her, and our buddy Kendall Coyne-Schofield was between the benches, um, an all-female broadcast. Uh, Lisa Seltzer, who I've gotten to know during her time here with the Blackhawks in years past, back in the old, uh, we go back as far as uh, Sports Channel days, when Sports Channel existed. Uh, she was directing that broadcast, and a lot of other key people behind the scenes uh, making that thing work with Catherine Tapp and hosting the studio show here as well. So I had a chance to sit down and talk to Kendall uh, prior to the contest. She was kind enough to carve out a few minutes as she she tried to get all her prep work in. And again, I'm really looking forward to listening, uh, watching and listening to the broadcast when I get the chance, hopefully on Monday. But we talked about a couple of other topics as well with uh, her kind of morphing into uh, the broadcast business. This is what she did study at Northeastern, you'll hear her tell us, and uh, also talk about the challenge of trying to remain in shape, trying to remain a player, while also devoting enough time to this particular craft. And uh, we also touch a little bit towards the end about her disappointment level at where things are in the pro women's game right now, the World, uh, the Olympics, um, obviously, uh were aren't going to be a factor that's the that's the way they can be seen the women can be seen the the olympics and the world championships so you'll hear her disappointment in the fact that uh yeah the the pro hockey women's pro hockey league has fallen by the wayside and how they can grab attention once again her her concern about that so anyway we uh Talked it up with our buddy, Kendall Coyne Coyne Schofield, uh, prior to the game and prior to her broadcast last night. To be a part of the first all-female broadcast crew here tonight is extremely honoring, exciting, um, and empowering. But when when you look at the women that are in the building tonight broadcasting this game, they have a plethora of experience. And um, we've gotten to a point in this industry where there's so many women working and there's more to come, but there's enough women where we can put together a super team. Mm -hmm. And we have the opportunity to to have you know NBC Sports put an all female crew together to do so. Um, so when you look at, when you look to your left and look to your right, I mean you lean on the experience of everyone, including AJ and and Kate. You know that well, that I'll be alongside uh, tonight as well. Was broadcasting ever uh, an objective of yours, a goal of yours? 
It was. I actually went to Northeastern uh, with the intention um, to work on sports broadcasting. I did some sideline reporting there with for the men's Northeastern hockey team. Um, usually we would play at four o'clock and they would play at seven. So I would I would play and then jump jump into their game uh, when I could. But uh, for me, growing up, it, you know, it became a harsh reality that I wasn't going to make a living playing this game like my brother could have if he if he was good enough to do so. And so when I started looking at careers and going through the recruiting process, for me, I wanted to stay in sports. And there's nothing more enjoyable than watching hockey, talking hockey, living and breathing it like I've done my entire life. So for me, broadcasting was a way to stay in the game. And so that's why I've always um, aspired to, to be in it and to do it because that, for me it was a way to, to make a living doing playing, playing and talking about the game I love. Yep. What's been the toughest part so far? Uh, well, because I am still playing, uh, it's been the the time and the balance that I have, you know, between my training schedule, my playing schedule, and then obviously my, my broadcasting schedule. I, I would say that that balance has been challenging. But with with everything, it takes time, it takes repetition, it takes practice, and I'm going to make mistakes. It's inevitable. But I think it's you know getting comfort, more comfortable, more confidence each time I do a game. Um, but it is challenging, and the preparation that comes behind preparing for a broadcast is the same as it is as a player but I'm a lot more comfortable in my preparation as a player because I've been doing it a lot longer so each game that I have the opportunity to do I get more comfortable and kind of tweak my notes or tweak my preparation and so um, right now I'm I'm trying to learn from everybody else and I've had some extremely extremely amazing mentors along the way already all being one of them yeah yeah i was going to ask you i, I mean there are probably so many so many to you know, countless numbers to include and you probably don't want to forget anybody but uh, who have been who's been most influential and i'm, I'm sure aj who you're doing the broadcast with is a big part of that too, right? yeah there's so many whether you know it's aj it's cassie campbell i even recall uh, beth mowens did a monday night football game mm-hmm. um and my husband was playing in that game and i remember staying home to watch it and listen to her call versus going to the game because it was such an impactful moment on my life and something that I hope to do one day is, you know, to be a woman calling calling a sport, not necessarily play-by-play, but, um, I mean, between Eddie, Doc, um, Kenny, I, I've been surrounded by so many incredible people that have really supported me along the way. I, I think all of them have texted me while they were the last 24, 48 hours and, um, you know, just offering some support and confidence. So I really appreciate it. Well, we try to emphasize the positive here. Uh, I'm sure there's still a long way to go. I mean, th- this is going to be, you know, uh, I think kind of a turning point uh, for, for, for women in broadcasting, especially here in the NHL. But uh, I'm sure you still come across in terms of criticism, finding that fine line between, you know, people who are giving, you know, trying to constructively criticize, no matter how much respect you may have for them, if it's just a fan or something like that, but also uh, those who might take it a little bit too far and and learning just to kind of roll with the punches as far as that goes, right? Yeah, and to be honest, I think that's one thing I've been used to my entire life. Um, ever since I started playing the game of hockey, people have been telling me to get out of hockey and that I don't belong in hockey and I don't belong on the ice with the boys. And, um, you know, so I, I've, I've, I've rolled with the punches for a very long time now. And, and of course, this bro- of course, broadcasting is, is newer to me, so I'm learning to roll with those punches as, as well. But I think what's so special about tonight is the amount of people that it's going to impact and the, the amount of growth it shows with women in broadcasting that you're able to put together an all-female crew to produce a national game is incredible you've always uh, been an inspiration to a lot of little girls out there and i don't think i've spoken with you since the all-star game in san jose at least form formally here yeah i don't think i don't think we've interviewed and 
could you can you tell how much of a difference that moment made in terms of having little girls reach out to you and inspire yeah chris i mean it was 14.346 seconds that not only changed my life, but more importantly changed the lives of so many young hockey players, girls and boys, who were inspired to pick up a hockey stick or skate their own lap. And I think credit is due to the NHL, to the NHLPA, and the, the eight players that were skating in the event, who were supposed to skate in the event that night, including Nathan McKinnon, who didn't skate. They all said yes to history being made, and for me that was such a confidence booster because they really believed that the women's game was at a point where – they could say yes to that moment and we would seize that moment because if I would have fallen, if I would have stumbled, the narrative would have been, oh, look, girls and women can't even skate in a circle. Why do they deserve to play hockey? They don't deserve to play hockey. Why are they even on the ice with the men? They don't deserve to be out here. And so, you know, that that was really uh, inspiring. And just to hear from so many young kids. Um, and, and it's been really cool being here around in the Chicagoland area and seeing a lot of young boys come up to me saying, are you, are you Kendall Coyne? And I'm like, yeah, you, you know who I am. Like, you know, the, the times have changed. And I think that's, in, that's incredible. And, um, yeah, it just there's so many stories that I could share with especially young girls who saw someone with a ponytail, saw someone who looked like them and said, I want to play hockey. Where th- how encouraged are you, discouraged are you by um, you know, the prospects with, with Women's Pro League? Yeah, it's uh, well, I think we have to take a step back in the last 24 hours. We learned that our world championships were canceled due to the coronavirus. And um, it's been heartbreak- heartbreaking news because that's that's our Stanley Cup. Those are our seven games that we literally work every single day for to, to be a part of that national team on that world championship roster in non-Olympic years. Um, and, of course, credit is due to the IHF for uh, protecting the players and the health and safety of the players comes first. And um you know, we respect that, but I think when you look at the reality, it's it's going to be two years until the world gets together from the 2019 World Championships until the t- 2021 World Championships, which are being held in Halifax. Um, and to me, that's not good enough. There needs to be more programming. There needs to be more opportunity. We're trying to grow this game. We're trying to to showcase our the best product in the world, and we're not going to have the opportunity to do so f- in two years' time, that, that's that's way too long. Our Four Nations Cup was canceled in November, so the two big international tournaments that we have this year both were canceled. And so it's it's been a devastating season in, in regards to the international stage, but um, along with my teammates on the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, I think we've made tremendous strides in fighting for a sustainable league, showcasing our product amongst seven NHL organizations this year. Just finished up last night in Arizona. Mm-hmm. They're actually playing right now, but I couldn't be there, obviously. Um, <laughs> But uh, we've really showcased our product and shown, you know, people around the league that you know women's hockey is ready for a sustainable professional league, and it's time. Always wonderful to catch up with uh, the very personable and very good and very groundbreaking uh, member of our very own community here, Southsider, like Joe Brandon myself, Sandberg's very own Kendall Coyne Schofield, uh, following her uh, big debut between the benches, network debut. Um, for uh, the game between the Blackhawks and the Blues on Sunday night. And we have another long-form interview to bring you here as well. A couple weeks ago, I managed to catch up with uh, uh, my former teammate over at NBC Sports Chicago, Comcast Sports and whatever it was, Jamal Mayers. And uh, he continues his fine work there. He continues being a Blackhawks community liaison, getting out and working with youth groups and especially some of the kids around the uh, United Center area who are able to put Fifth Third Arena and all it has to offer to use. And he also is now an author as uh, he came out 
with a book uh, recently. It's uh, just out. You can find it at the Blackhawks team store here at the Atrium and on Michigan Avenue, as well as NHLshop.com. A former Blackhawk, the Stanley Cup winner, Jamal Mayers, had a chance to catch up with him on uh, him authoring a book and some other matters as well. And we'll now bring you that conversation here on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. As you may or may not know, I'm a part of, you know, as my role as community liaison, I'm a part of three uh, initiatives that the Hawks do such a great job outreach in the community. One is called uh, GOAL, which stands for Get Out and Learn, where we visit over 150 schools, mostly CPS schools, uh, and take over their phys ed class, and then the kids learn how to play uh, ball hockey in their gym class. The next extension to that it's called First Try, where those same kids are then bussed to the practice facility, and they get to try skating and then come back whenever they want and learn how to skate. And then the third component of that is called Little Hawks, where for around $150 or less, between $100 and $150, depending on the rink, kids can then try hockey for up to 10 lessons uh, for just that minimal cost, and they get head-to-toe full gear with the stick to try the game. So uh, most of those programs start at third or fourth grade, and so... I start the wheels started turning about two and a half years ago uh, with my little guy being five at the time about thinking well how are we going to engage kids that are in kindergarten to third grade to think maybe hockey or skating can be for them so I started writing these sto- uh, stories and that turned into a book and next thing you knew uh, I've written five of them and this is the first one where I learned to skate in the book and so the main character is Jamal it's uh, illustrated wonderfully um, by Andrew Jesternig and uh yeah, it was really just an, an idea. And for me, this is a book for anyone. Yes, it focuses on my story. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is a conversation starter for if you're, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're a parent of a kid that's playing any type of uh, any, any, any activity, quite frankly. This is an opportunity to start the conversation and talk about diversity, inclusion, how you can be a better teammate, and what those environments may feel like or look like for someone who is a one of one of the only one on the team mm-hmm. perhaps and so you know it's it's kind of twofold give kids the opportunity to think that maybe it's for them and also uh it can you know start a conversation for every family and how to teach those their, their kids those lessons and i want to circle back to your involvement in that in, in a couple of minutes but early on in the book not to ruin the storyline or anything like that, but, uh, you know, from the time you were invited to skate for the first time to, what, a day or two later when you experienced it, uh, uh, you were uh, introduced to obstacles, either real or imagined, that these kids might be able to identify with. That's a great point. So, I, yeah, in the book, uh, I am bullied a little bit, told that I should just go stick to basketball, and, uh, um, you know, I decide to to stick through it and, and, and practice hard and become proficient as a skater. And what I like about it too, the, the young kid and the character in the book that did say that has a form of redemption and realizes, hey, you actually can skate, great job. And we kind of um, become friends after that. And he recognized that there was, you know, there was a, an opportunity for the character in the book to, to you know, uh, learn from their mistake and, and move on. And, and uh, so, you know, there's subtle little things in there I think kids can relate to. Single parent home, uh, latchkey kid. At one point, I opened the door with you know, my mom's I mentioned in there coming home from her second or third job. So you know, my story ended up being a positive one, mm-hmm. and I want kids to understand that there there aren't any obstacles that could, should stand in their way. They're, they need to find a way and, and have self confidence and and hard work, and they can persevere through anything. And you had that single mom who. 
on that when she came home that night saw you and and you responded and how important was planting that seed of inspiration to you oh it's imperative Uh, you know having a a mom like i have uh that was always there pushing uh supporting uh, and and believing in me um was crucial and so you know i credit her and her resolve and her work ethic that i learned as well um to not stop and not be denied and always have a backup plan too that's one of the things i do mention to the kids uh you know i did graduate from college i have a degree and uh you know it's important to have a backup plan regardless of what your your goal is so you went and worked on it on your very own before you went back to that arena do you still remember when you went back in front of those same kids do you still remember that feeling that sense of accomplishment uh and and seeing how they reacted to what they weren't expecting absolutely i think that uh you know it proved proved to myself first of all that if you put in hard work that you can make things happen and also it uh you're absolutely right i think that andrew the illustrator drew it perfectly on that that one page where you see me skating and the kids are their jaws are dropped uh, uh, on the glass so yeah it's a it, you know what it's been a fun experience it's been a fun process uh writing a book and i hope everyone enjoys it and i hope everyone you know finds a way uh, it's only 8.95 you can find it on nhlshop.com and the reality is is that um you know it, it, a portion of the proceeds are also going back to the blackhawks foundation and all the great work that they do as well so I've been very lucky, very fortunate. I have a lot to thank the game for, and this is uh, my foray into into writing and a way to give back to to kids uh, all around that may be thinking about skating or playing hockey. And in your process of giving back to the roles that uh, you were just described in the programs that you're involved with as the community liaison, I imagine there's a time every day that you're out there and you see yourself in some of these kids that the Blackhawks are in this community trying to introduce the game to. It's a great point, and I think that uh, if I can be an inspiration for them, as Grant Fuhrer, you know, Tony McKegney, Claude Vilgrain, um, you know, any of those guys, and not to mention Willie O'Ree, if I can be that inspiration, I think that I'm pretty proud of our, my generation that are around five years from my age group: Anson Carter, Kevin Weeks, guys of that nature at Bryce Salvador that had long, extensive, great careers, and. Um, you know, I th- hopefully we we were that example for the kids playing today that looked up and saw, hey, this is possible, and and uh, you know, it's it's kind of exciting to see uh, the game becoming more diverse. I'm sure you had a chance to meet Willie O'Ree before, yes, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or your impressions, and what did you say to him? Oh, just you know, honestly, just getting to know Willie over the years and and knowing his his character. The, the, I mean, this guy is he's in his 80s now. He's got so much energy and. Uh, I know he's thinking about retiring. No one wants him to retire. He'll be as busy, busy as he wants to be, but just a wonderful person. There's no bitterness, no harsh, um, no bad, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but resentment. No, no resentment whatsoever. Just a happy uh, uh, guy with a ton, ton of energy that's given so much back to the game and so thankful that he was able to be inducted into the Hall of Fame a few years ago. I made sure to be there and took my my brother to that that ceremony. It's the only time I'd ever been to mm-hmm. a Hall of Fame induction. But yeah, he's a wonderful wonderful person, and and uh, everything that he's accomplished, it's it's quite remarkable to think about what he must have gone through uh, in the, in 1958 breaking into the NHL. 
And before I let you go, let's go to the present here. I'm sure as an analyst, you're kind of as frustrated as everybody with, with the, you know, you see the flashes at times this season with this team. And then there's those step backs and, and you're wondering what's it going to take to put it all together here when they get so close and fall right back. And, you know, uh, everyone, there's a sense of frustration, you know, if we're going on year three now here, unfortunately, without making the playoffs, um, you know, it's going to end sometime, but yeah, it's frustrating to see this a third consecutive year. It's extremely frustrating, and it must be for especially the core group that's been here and had so much success over the years. Um, I, I would agree with you that they're they're right there. This is a group that that uh, has had trouble finding that consistency in their game, has found trouble perhaps uh, understanding and playing to their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a team that has to defend first. I think if they can get that power play going, that'll make up for a lot. Five on five play will be a lot of those offensive players as you know they have success on that power play it bleeds into their five on five game and when you're chasing games because you can't score on the power play you expose yourself defensively they have to be equal parts patient in their structure and how they have to play defensively but playing on their toes and aggressive looking to create offense on the other side so delicate balance takes maturity as a group to play that way and trust the process and trust the system and the way that they need to play um, but that's the only way they're going to have success and string some wins together. They can't look too far ahead and think to themselves, we have to win five in a row, we have to win six in a row to get going. Start with a shift by shift, period by period, um, you know, cliches because they're, they're, they're truths, right? Mm-hmm. That's the way to have success in this, in this league. Jamal Mayers, the author of Hockey Is For Me. And uh, again, he sees a lot of himself in some of these kids that he is now helping introduce the game to for all his fine work as Blackhawks community liaison. As we uh, wrap up this kind of different edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, presented by FanList, some final thoughts here as we begin looking ahead. And this week, teams below the Blackhawks in the standings. I'm not sure what it's going to look like when they are back in action here against the San Jose Sharks on Wednesday because you know they, they started Sunday already six points behind once again. But it's another team below the Blackhawks in the standings. And then another team below the Blackhawks in the standings. The Ottawa Senators comes in on Friday before you then have to go to Washington on Saturday, come home for a practice in a week, then head off to Minnesota, a team that has taken advantage of their opportunities to fight and claw their way back in the wild card chase, despite a coaching change right in the middle of it all, back uh, home and home against the Minnesota Wild. So where the Blackhawks are come Wednesday when the San Jose Sharks, I'm sure the gap will have widened. And um, they have continued, for the most part, playing hard, with that exception being in Detroit. But you let down for one night, and it jumps up and bites you. So uh, we'll see where the Blackhawks are when they come back on Wednesday against two teams, two more home games against teams they should and need to beat. Yeah, well, hopefully it's not what's been happening in the past, where the Hawks beat the teams that are you might say are they're overmatched against and then come out a little flat against the teams that they should beat. I mean, yeah, it's again, it's it's tough to see this team anywhere near a, a playoff situation, especially with the injuries that happened today. I mean, who knows how long Adam Boquist is going to be out for, which is frustrating too because you like to see his progression in the NHL. Um, you really like what Drake Kajul has been doing lately, but um, now him dealing with a hand injury. But you know, this team is. 
done so many highs and lows. Hopefully they can just show some exciting hockey to close out the year and we can see a lot more promising steps. Maybe maybe some more production coming from Alex Dabrinkin and Dylan Strom to, to help out their case for next year. But you know, who knows what we're going to see in these, these final few weeks. Four steps forward. Two steps back. That's what we have had on our plate here over the course of the last uh, week of plus. We want to thank you for listening to this edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by FanList. We also want to thank Curtis Koch for putting it all together. Ernie Scatton for lending us his voice. We didn't do any slap shots questions this time around. Not that you guys are asking us any questions lately, but uh, you know we had those two longer form interviews with Kendall Coyne, Schofield, Jamal Mayers. We thank them for spending some time with us, and uh, again, thank you as well for listening to us. When are we going to do our next one? I don't know if we ever established that or oh, not. Let's do some live. Let's, uh, uh, yeah, right let's now. let's let's uh, take a look at this, and you know maybe, boy oh boy, um, Wednesday's too soon. You're not going to be here. Uh, Friday, a little silly doing that with a back-to-back on Saturday. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll come up with something here and, and tweet it out. Again, we always do tweet it out. I'm not sure if folks want to uh, wait as long as a week from Thursday following the game against Minnesota. Perhaps we can tentatively target that. I do that. Yeah. I, I like heading into the station and uh, using the equipment we have. So yeah. maybe we can do that. Yeah. So uh, we'll see uh, whether it's after that uh, road game against Minnesota on Tuesday the 17th or when they return here on Thursday the 19th for a game against the Wild when we uh, uh, offer us to your ears uh, once again for our next Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Nevertheless, keep an eye on WGNRadio.com. It's always posted there. Joe and I also send it out as, as Curtis and the WGN Sports Twitter account. We tweet out the links to the uh, the podcast as well. Uh, Joe is at, at Joe underscore brand one, the number one. And I am at, at Bowden Tweets. So keep an eye out for that. But again, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. And we'll see if the Blackhawks can continue to try and find a, a way to scratch and claw their way back into contention after a couple of steps back here this weekend. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!